Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast, Journey of of Descending into the Mysteries and Rising from the Roots. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, priestess and spiritual mentor. I guide women into the mysteries within to rise rooted into their sovereign self. And today we have a special episode, part two of Synchronicities and Divine Intervention. And I just love this episode or these episodes so much for when need that hit of inspiration of stories of when magic aligned and the goddess wove a web and everything came into fruition in a way that you could not have even planned out yourself when the divine weaves her web but just you know a short list of like miracles like unbelievable like financial miracles <laughs> like reprieves weird things okay. happen this is i'll the- just give you one very very <laughs> small example okay so our lady said uh, just because it's a fun story and it's very sort of practical so our lady said at one point very early on she said you'll need a statue for the shrine right at right at the end of the driveway where i you know invite you to pray for your heart's desire and she said uh, you start looking for it so she said that, and we looked for three or four years. I, tra- I was traveling all over the country at that point. I looked everywhere. I went to statuaries in San Francisco. But we didn't want like some, you know, traditional a, Virgin Mary. We didn't want a Valium Virgin. We didn't want a pious Virgin Mary with her eyes downcast. And mm-hmm. we also couldn't mm-hmm. afford a museum piece. And we knew it had to be outside, so it had to be durable. We couldn't find it anywhere. Then suddenly our lady says, you're meeting with your editor to discuss the final edits on Way of the Rose next Monday. You must purchase the statue before then. She said that on, on a, Friday. On Friday. So we had one day to get the statue. And we were panicked. And we were mm-hmm. panicked. Like, where are we going to go? So Clark remembered there was this statuary place about an hour from us. It was kind of, they were kind of crappy, but what, there what the hell? Concrete you know? statues made in molds. And they I were, guess we're supposed to get one of those crappy, ugly statues. Bathtub berries, we call them, <laughs> because they had these little sort of like, look like bathtubs buried upright in the ground because they had this little sort of grotto that you could place her in. So it was that kind of thing. And so they weren't we, that large even. But Clark not, said, three feet high or whatever call we better call her before we drive all the way down there so we call on saturday morning and the woman answers us and says oh my god no I, i'm usually open on saturday but there's been a family emergency and i have I, to close and i have to close i won't be open today yeah. you could come in next week uh, we asked her he says there's someone else we can call she said yeah there's a guy just north of you you can call him we call him he says oh yeah i've got exactly what you're looking for but there's been a family emergency we have to close today second Second place. Nowhere to go. So we start driving. There's going to be a flea market. Right. What are we we supposed to do? And so we're driving on this road, you know, with all the strip malls and everything in a real funky place. And we remember, oh, yeah, there's that place that has the ugly lawn statues. Yeah. Really (laughs) ugly, like really ugly, like really heavy marble (laughs) or granite lawn statues. Marble, like really heavy, big, heavy so we, we stop we stop there and they're ugly they're expensive like a you know merman and, <laughs> and you know uh and chinese big fat chinese buddhas and stuff like and that and then and then we, we go inside no in the we no and then we can't and we, we can't find anything and we walk out and then we walk behind the building no it's the door 
We walked to the end oh. and there was a door. We walked into it. We looked around in the, in the statuary yard. And there was nothing. We went inside and there were a couple of wooden statues of the Virgin Mary. We couldn't put them outside. They were too expensive. And then we saw this door at the end of this warehouse. And Virginia says, I wonder where that goes. <laughs> we go and we push it open. And at the there, back behind the, the back, building is the most beautiful statue. And we it's if you go to our website or the way of the rose, you can see her. Yeah. Full she would, size. She's, she's clearly exactly the size of our lady, our lady in real life, right? So she's exactly mm. correct. So that's her real height, and it seems to be a cross of Quan Yin, the Our Lady of Guadalupe, and mm. and Our Lady of Lords. It's sort of a mashup, cultural. Mashup. People always said, "Is that a Buddhist statue or a Christian statue? What yeah, is that? What is that? They have a hard yeah. time placing it. She's so beautiful. She's obviously the Virgin Mary, but 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 with a lot of syncretic cultural elements mixed in. So we went in and there was a bored girl on her, you know, phone. And we said, how much is that Mary statue? She named a price that was three times what we had in our account. All of our money. Mm -hmm. And she's, and we said, oh, that's too much for us. And she said, well, how much would you give? And we looked at each we, other. I, I, I literally pulled out my phone, looked at our bank app, and I named the every cent we had. In our bank account. In our bank account. And she said, well, I'll ask the owner. owner. And at that moment, our phone rang and the original woman from the original statuary place said, oh, the, you know, my, my, the family emergency cleared up and I've opened the store if you want to come on down. Oh, and we felt, because we saw, we fell in love with the statue the moment we saw it. So that's it. That's the one we've been looking for all this yeah, time. Yeah. That, it was right here, just 12 miles from our house. And we get in the car and we're feeling depressed about not being able to get her because we've fallen in love with her. And we're on our way to the other place and the phone rings and, and the, the, uh, the girl, the girl from the, uh, from the statuary place, she says, the owner says he'll take that amount and he'll, he'll uh, deliver it for he'll free. Deliver it for free. Oh, wow. Can't get rid of it. Yeah. So here's the miracle. Now all that's pretty miraculous. So yeah. we spent every cent we owned. Every penny. Every and penny. we are not people who have a savings account. No, we, we don't have credit retirement. Cards. We nothing. have nothing. So yeah. Clark and I are going, I wonder how we're going to eat yeah, this we, week. We live on Interesting. air. Interesting. Yeah, we basically <laughs> live on air. So we, 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 we are fairy tale characters. We can't pay our bills. We can't What are we, we going to do? Eat, you know? So we drive home. We bought this wonderful statue, but we do not have any penny. We don't have a penny. Yeah. We go, we stop to check our mail and there is a check a royalty check for a book I wrote years ago and forgot about that's never earned wow. any money at all for the exact amount we paid for the statue to the penny. Oh, that's wild. When it's just how I met my husband. Um, so this was in 2015. I was in at a yoga nidra I was facilitating a yoga nidra training and I was uh staying at a dear friend Carla's house and she was telling me that she was uh getting into more energy energy work and and she's fascinated with this one healer Yantara I don't know if you've heard of him Yantara mm -hmm. no uh he's kind of like a pioneer of light languaging and uh he plays crystal bowls and definitely not from not from here <laughs> let's just say that so <laughs> anyway she was showing me his website and on his website he had a gallery and photos were just flipping through and then it just paused on this one photo and there was this guy standing there and it 
it was at a, uh, a gathering in Mount Shasta. And I, I just looked at it. He had this, this jewelry on and I was really fixated on his jewelry. And I was like, huh, looking at that, taking in, I really took in the photo, not really his face, but his jewelry. Mm -hmm. So anyway, a few months later, I'm on a spiritual journey in Israel with uh, the channeler cryon. I don't know if you know, it's Lee Carroll who channels the energy cryon. And I, yeah, I just, I knew I had to go on this trip because I'd been to Israel so many times, but I always received the information from historians or from tour guides or, but I wanted to go there with the multidimensional energy to actually really uh, give me a more expanded view on these sites. So I, I signed up for the retreat and uh, there was 333 people on this retreat. And uh, how it worked was that you were on your, you had buses and you really only saw the people on your bus because it was just such a large gathering. And when I got to Israel, uh, I went down to the breakfast hall and I, out of like everyone, 333 people, I saw this, I saw this guy with jewelry. It didn't register. Uh, I was like, oh, that's the guy in Mount Shasta, but I saw his jewelry and I was like, wow, that's incredible jewelry. And Anyway, in the morning, we were all assigned to our bus and we're getting on and I walk on the bus and there he is with his jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up meeting and, and I, I still haven't like connected the dots at this point. I was just really present and, and there, in the, but we ended up meeting and spending pretty much after we met pretty much the whole time together on this retreat and sat together on the bus. And then as we were leaving, uh, he took off his bracelet and this was the same bracelet that was in the photo. And he took off his bracelet and he said, he gifted it to me. And then later he becomes my husband and he was the guy in the photo. So it was uh, a crazy synchronicity that it was foreshadowed to me that I, I mean, yeah, that I was going to meet this guy in Israel and that he was in Mount Shasta and he lived in the UK sitting with my friend in Edmonton. So oh, um, that's wild. Uh, one of the horses is Roy and I've talked about him in the, in that he's a grief horse and <clears throat> he came to me through one of my mentors and um, uh, my, my mentor had had an accident, a motorcycle accident and passed away and um, left Roy to the program and to here. And so Roy arrived here and he went through this really dark, dark depression um, after Dave's death. And he just, he was a very social horse and a very like happy horse, right? And he just isolated himself and he just stand out in the field and not engage in any conversation any connection anything and I just said to everybody here like let's leave him just leave him he's got a process and we would just do gentle touch with him and like sit and circle around him and you know offer him energy and and various different things to get him through and then one day he was standing at the fence and I was like this is the first time ever 
that he's been here, that this is happening. I'm bringing him in no matter what, right? And he was like ears up standing at the fence. And so I brought him and Phantom in and they were tied up in the arena and I just did this really nice brushing session. And he just seemed like he was excited. Like he was like, something's coming. And he was really like excited and lit, lit up in his eyes. And I was like, what, what is going on? And I had a client coming that afternoon and um, I had felt that Phantom was like who she was meant to meet. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to leave Roy into the arena. Like he can just stay and watch and be in the, in the, we have, we call them the offices, the horses offices. So we have stalls that they can stay in and watch and whatever um, for support. And he was there and the client arrives. She's a brand new client. I've never met her. And I said, oh, I left my paperwork back in the office. So I'm just going to go grab that if you don't mind. And she's like, no, no, not at all. So she comes in, I go grab the paperwork. I come back and she is like sobbing. And I'm going, oh, the work has begun. <laughs> okay. So, and I just said like, you know, what's, what's happening for you? Is there anything you need from me right now? And she said, no, I just, I'm here because I, all my trauma is lifting. I'm having major PTSD responses. I can't sleep. Uh, my anxiety is now to the point that um, full-blown like panic disorder can't leave her house, is like going to lose her job, all this sort of stuff. And she just like blurs it all out. And the horses are just very still and quiet. And then she, and I said to her, okay, like, we'll, we'll dive into that. And she just kept staring at Roy and staring and staring. And I was like, you know, is there something about him that you are feeling really like curious about her? And she just said, I, I know him. I feel like I know him. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, well, tell me about that. And so she had for the last three years, been able to cope in her life because of a horse that lived down the road from her. And so she used to come home every day from work and go sit in the field with this horse. And this horse would just put his nose on her head and regulate her. And then she would go in with her family and be able to carry on for the rest of her, her days. And then she would go to him anytime she felt dysregulated. And then one day he wasn't there anymore. Right. And since that point, she had just not been doing well. Um, and so she got to that kind of like that, you said that like dark point where you're like, I've got to do something about this. Right. And so she started Googling equine therapy and stuff because she had known how much this horse had helped her. And so I'm listening to her story and I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> and I said to her, like, he looks like this horse. And she said, yeah, like he looks just like this horse. And I'm like, it is this horse. Like that is this horse. I said, do you, and I, I asked where she lived and all this sort of stuff. And she said, exactly where she lived and I was like that's this horse <laughs> and he had brought her there and um because when you google equine therapy there is like thousands of websites and I am definitely not in the first page <laughs> so um she had landed there and she continued to work with him for like two three years off and on right and they just developed this beautiful relationship and still to this day they have a beautiful relationship and she, he completely got her through that. She's got a beautiful career. She has like moved on from all of these varying things that were holding her back. Um, and I had no part of that. And that was day one of his work. And when he decided to start to do the work here is when he brought her. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And we have oh, quite a that. few, quite a few of those types of stories, right? Of the synchronicities that are far beyond what we can see and that are in the back, you know, 
it's like the back lot, the things that are happening behind the scenes that you have no idea. And, uh, and then it just all makes sense. It's like that, you know, the unseen or the goddess will drop us nuggets on our path. I I received a loud one on Friday, um, just a sign in a synchronicity. And it's like the horses are, are part of that. They're working with the, mm-hmm. the goddess, the unseen, the energy, the creator spirit, whatever word yeah. resonates for everybody. That's so beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Just experiencing life synchronicities, like literally the way that my mom met my her current partner was the day my granddad died. We found a dog. Well, I found the dog. This dog belonged to the man that she's now with. And the dog wouldn't leave our side. He just wouldn't go. So the man ended up coming to get him. And that is now her partner who she had a child with um, three years ago after thinking she'd never meet anyone or have any more children. And then it wasn't possible for her. So beautiful. This is a big one. Um, So uh, in the last... uh, in the the last little while, my son is 11 and, um, uh, we, I was being faced with having to make a choice of something going on in the situation where, uh, he's going to turn 12 and, uh, he'll need a certain something in order to function in society and this and that. And I, was on tail ends of the spectrum from his dad. So I was a huge no for him getting something. And his dad was a huge yes. And we were co-parenting this experience and situation together. And he was earlier in the year diagnosed with um, medical condition. And so his doctor was really, of encouraging us to get this so him the doctor so the doctor and his dad were very strong forces pushing this and i had a huge no in my system and um it was really tugging at my son and it was really hard on him and then so i could see this and i could feel him and so finally i said to his dad I said, give me a little bit of time. I have to like re totally shift my whole perception of everything. I have to completely shift it so that he's not so torn and I'll take him to get it. And Lisa, I went into like, uh, I, this was a huge paradigm shift for me to do this because I've made a choice for myself and it's not even an issue with my other son. It was, so anyway, I really sat in this, I sat in this and, and I needed to show up for my son. And in the way I could do it was completely shifting my internal perception so that I said, okay, I, I consent, but I have to be the one that takes them. And I had like, I was gonna call in the higher consciousness of like everything around and um, set it all up. And I needed to know the time and I needed to be there with him. And I said all the, conditions. Uh, the next day and, and during that day, cause it was scheduled for the next day. And during that day, uh, I called out to my dad. Um, this is a different, this is a, a different dad story, but, 
I called out and prayed to my dad because dad, my dad is one of my council members. And I said, dad, I have no idea what to do here, but I trust that um, I, I, I give it up, I surrender it to you. And backtrack, um, what I was shown also in this is that my dad, my dad transitioned in 2013 and out of all the people, we were hovering around him for many, many days before his transition. We were there 24 seven. And the one day uh, I was driving my son home, he was gonna nap at home. And um, he threw a fit, he's two and a half, and he threw a fit and he said, I need to, I wanna go see Zeta. We called my dad Zeta. He said, I need to go see Zeta. I said, we will, we'll go home and nap and then we'll go over and see him. And he I went wild. I've never seen him like this. And I said, okay, we'll go over there. So we drove to my parents' house and I said, you have to, you, you do have to nap. So I put him, my dad was on a bed in the house and I put him on the, a chair or couch right beside my dad for him to nap. And then I went and did something, my whole family's out doing something. And that was the moment my dad transitioned. And what was revealed to me way later was that was, that was a moment their bond was solidified and he he was now a guide also for my son so fast forward now we're in this situation and I really came to inner acceptance with what was I was going to take my son the next day and I came to peace with it and I was going to support my son through this and then um, that night so I prayed all day and gave it up to my dad and then um, we were going first thing in the morning and I go and take a shower at night and it's like 11 p.m. and I'm lying down in bed and I get a message from his dad who you have to understand his dad. It's like having a conversation with him. You're going to court. You have to show up with like files and files of your justified uh, reasons. And I had, you know, I just it, it, it was a dead end for me with him. So I'm lying in bed and I get a message and I look at it, it's from his dad. And he said, Tannis, uh, I don't know why, but we have to cancel tomorrow. And he said, a thought came into my head. And I was like, a thought came into your head? Like, <laughs> he has not, he had not budged anything. Like he was a steady rolling um, cement ball that, uh, and and I knew that, that uh, yeah, that it was my, my, I knew my dad came in and changed his mind. And it, that has this, yeah, that's been it since. There's been no talk about it. Wow. Yeah. And I just, and I knew from the bones in my body, I knew from, the depth of my soul that birthed child he was not to get it I knew mm. this mm -hmm. I knew it and I surrendered it up to um the unseen mm. so yeah that's that's another that's beautiful it's like when you surrender you know everybody talks about that when you you're kind of if there's resistance showing up you know about any situation and when you just surrender that's usually when it's like the unseen takes over 
and the magic yeah. is woven. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. And you know, you, you can't fake, you can't fake surrender. You cannot fake it. It's like you're down on your knees mm. and you've walked yourself to the end of your line and then you surrender it up. That's your only move from there. But these synchronicities, you know, have happened throughout my life. But more recently, I met the love of my life last year after being a single parent for like six years. And I needed that time to do the work. I mean, I was in the work all of that time, believe me. But the synchronicity with meeting this man was that actually we crossed paths many times through many friends that were really close to me over a 20 I think it was a 20 year period so this man literally lived half an hour away from me and our kids went to the same school but we never we never saw each other ever until last year when a friend said oh hey you're in fashion you're in fashion why don't you two you know can I introduce you and we were like yeah 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 but the day before she introduced me I saw him and I was like wow who's he and then when we met we we realized over like the first three months that we knew so many different people not just industry fashion industry people but other people in common through London connections and different things and it's almost like the universe was because we we keep saying like why didn't we never meet like why were we never you know it was destiny because we were so close at these times and then we just sort of like the universe span us back round, and we never met I walked out that door he walked out of that door and we, we were never to meet until this time and um I feel like it's destiny that we're going to meet the right people in our lives like soul family is just beyond beyond round the corner in a way even though we may feel so alone and so yeah for me it was like it rene renewed my faith that he's always been there he's been on this journey with me in a way and I hadn't been alone all those years it was just the goddess really guiding me that not yet not yet and he had a lot of work to do and I had a lot of work to do we were never if we'd have met at those times it probably would never have been the right time so the beauty of synchronicity and yeah the timing divine timing yeah for sure yeah I love that story where it's like you were always woven into each other's webs. It just wasn't quite the right time. And so divine timing is like, yeah, now, now is the moment. Ooh, that's so beautiful. That gave me goosebumps. I love that. Oh. I love that story. That's so and beautiful. We have children two months and three months apart. So we were probably like at hospital visits at the same time and all sorts of things. So yeah, very bizarre, but yeah, it, it's meant to be. <laughs> mm, very interwoven. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any stories of like divine intervention, synchronicity, where it all just the stars align and you're like, holy shit, did that really happen? Yes. And I would say the, the biggest one was probably recently that I mentioned with like the house um, in the sense of like I lived in London right like there's so many so many places to rent in London but literally the ones I wanted nothing was coming up there was nothing available just nothing felt right it wasn't fitting 
And then when I, me and my partner decided we're going to take this space, it suddenly was like, oh, holy, holy shit. Like, that's why it's not working. Because I don't want to be in London if we're not together. Like, that was kind of why I was saying. Um, and, you know, if I was going to sign up for this apartment, like, it was going to be tons of, like, investment, tons of energy. And then the day that I moved out of my current one, the apartment I'd always wanted became available. <laughs> and it was too late. I had put myself in storage. I had made the decision to travel. And if it had come available earlier, I would have been stuck in a choice that I didn't really want. And I was getting so frustrated. I was like, why isn't it coming up? This is so annoying, like typical, blah, 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 all of those thoughts. And it was because the universe knew there was something more aligned. Um, and it was like, we're not letting you make this decision. <laughs> and so I didn't. And now, thank God, thank God because it's not what I want and I know deeply that it's not what I want but I would have gone for it I would have settled oh I love that it's like when things don't happen that can be a gift from the universe as well yeah yeah like another funny one I can just think of is I went for a bar job interview like literally like eight years ago or something and like couldn't even flame the orange it was like a cocktail bar and I was gutted I was like oh I really wanted that job it was the thing about my business you know like all of the no's came, became yeses. All of the things that a dream job I thought I wanted for a charity, um, doing public speaking work for a children's charity, felt like a freaking dream. I got through every round, but the final one was heartbroken. Again, pushing to start my business. Mm. So in the most, at the time, really amazing things that make us feel so disappointed when they don't work out, it's like, oh, because there was something better, actually. Um, the moment you don't see that, you don't see it in that. That's so true. It's like when things don't work out, that's a sign too. You know, it's not that they won't work out or that it won't come back together, but it's just not the right time. And that can be a painful lesson. But I, I had found land. I've been looking for land outside of you know, this, the city, wherever that I'm currently residing in, in, in Calgary. And I found land and I'm like, oh, this is it. But there was something that I, I had a vision on the land that was like a sign for me, like it's not quite right. And my realtor has literally gone MIA. Um, the, this, like, she's just gone, she's vanished. So I'm like, okay, so I guess we're not seeing the land. It's probably sold in a psilocybin journey. It was like, wait on the land. You don't know where you're going. And I'm like, Thanks, psilocybin. I know I don't where don't know where I'm going, <laughs> but everything has been like, no, this is not it, and I don't know where is it. But it's like that deep, deep trust when things just aren't working out. It's just not aligning, you know. Another a, a, a mystery though that happened again was with my dad, and I'd love to share this. Mm. Um, so again, my dad transitioned in 2013 and he, as a father in this growing up, uh, he was not a, he, he definitely, uh, didn't quench my thirst for the spiritual realms or any of that. So he was, he was not a man of the mysteries, Mm -hmm. uh, so when he transitioned, 
um, something shifted and it was, it was like I could sense and feel his more true nature of his soul. And I knew he had become one of my guides. And um, I had just felt his energy around and, and I would call to him just really intuitively, but I didn't have a really direct experience of his guidance until this happened. So when I was in 2015, this happened before I actually went to Israel, I was in Cyprus and I was staying with um, incredible, a family of incredible women. They were um, uh, deeply connected uh, women. And one of the daughters said to me, we were having breakfast and she said to me, you're, you're, cause she felt my dad's presence very, very strongly. And she said, your dad, your dad's gonna come to you tonight. I was like, Ooh, what, what does that mean? And she said, I, I don't know, but uh, it was also a very powerful, I think it was a very powerful time in the um, alignment of, of the stars. And, and I said, will you guide me through it? She said, no, I won't guide you through this one. This one you have to do on your own. And I had doubt. I was like, oh, I've never really connected with my dad in that way. So anyway, that evening we went outside and sat in this open field with the, the moon energy really bright and strong. And I closed my eyes and I said, I have no idea uh, what I'm doing. And I just sat down and I started to breathe deep. And my dad came in and, uh, and at, that, at that point, I was not very visual. I got downloads in different ways. I've become more visual since then, but that was not an easy, accessible gift for me. So the fact that he came in and I could see and sense him clearly, I was like, oh, this is weird. And um, he said to me, he said, go, go get your mother. And, and so I went, got my mother and she was really disoriented. She was looking around, she's like, where the hell am I? And she was wearing her normal clothes. And, uh, and he said, follow me and watch and witness, witness her, witness like her clothing, witness her. And he brought me to this long, long, long staircase, like going up into the ethers. And it was this white staircase. And I looked at her, so she was in her normal clothing and I'm holding her hand and she's looking around like seriously, like I pulled her out of present moment time and brought her into this frame. And we start to ascend up the staircase. And my dad, he's, he was in white and my mom switched, her clothing shifted into her wedding outfit, her real wedding outfit that she wore when she was 27 or whatever. And we're walking up these stairs and we get to kind of the above plateau and there's all these people there, people that I know, people that I don't know, but they're all in white. And there's my dad kind of standing at this altar space. And I bring my mom over and, uh, and he said, Tannis, watch this ceremony 
because it's a high spiritual teaching. And it's, uh, he's like telepathically saying this to me and I'm just understanding it, but essentially he said, this is, this is a, a rite, uh, like a ritual rite of passage to liberate, to liberate us from the bondage of this marriage because I, I passed on. So it's a conscious uncoupling ceremony. And um, I saw their rings fly off their fingers and they like, boom, connected together. And Lisa, the energy um, went through the, like through the crown of my head, through my whole nervous system. And I felt like I stuck my finger into an electric socket. It was so like, I had to do, my hair probably was standing on its end. And as I'm breathing through, my dad was guiding me through this. And he said, it had, it has to go through your body because you're still here. And he said, breathe deep through, you know how to do this. You know how to breathe, breathe this energy through. And for 15 minutes, I was breathing, like my life depended on it, breathing this energy through. And as I'm breathing it through, my inner consciousness is like understanding that this contract, this connection, their rings were holding an energetic bond that was so powerful because they made that vow and that vows are energy. And, you know, like signing is like, you know, you sign your signature. It's a, it's a contract. And I had an intellectual concept of a contract, but I did not have the full embodied experience of this energy. And so for 15 minutes, I was breathing this through. My lips were completely tingling numb. Everywhere in my body was vibrating. And then after it, um, the, 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 the whole thing, like my, dad transmitted this all to me that when people cross over and they're still contracted and binded that they'll come back and they'll have to work you know they'll 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 still be binded in the next incarnation or whatever carnation so my dad was liberating uh his his soul and my mom's soul so that um yeah they were free and and uh I was the physical vessel that that could uh, transmute um this energy and then what was interesting was uh, I didn't really share this story with my mom because it's not in her her reality field this even, yeah, I don't know, it's not totally, but after that, uh, she wasn't really, she, she wasn't really uh, open to doing any healing with the, with she, she's the type of character, uh, like you just um, warrior on, and you get through what you need to get through and push through. But after this experience, when I got home, I asked her, she was open to see a healer and she said, yes. And that was a huge shift. And the healer suggested to that, um, she do a ceremony, like a, a 
a ceremony at the beach and she told me she did it. And at that moment, the kind of clouds parted, the light came in and something significantly uh, healed in her that um, like a resolution came and that was complete. And so that was um, a huge mystery uh, that happened and something that I could have never scripted or come up with. It was just so outside of any thought forms that I had ever thought about before. So, yeah. When Sophia was three months old, she had her second surgery, which is a five-hour surgery, and she was screaming in agony, and I was cradling her. And it was at that point that I was just praying to any energy or deity that would listen to, you know, to heal her, to stop her pain. And that was the first time I ever experienced healing energy. And I got this massive surge of healing energy come through my hands. And she went from screaming to silent in a second. And that was the point where I had this incredible out-of-body experience and our souls were taken to this place that I was told was serious, but I didn't consciously know there was even a star called Sirius. And then these light beings appeared and they had these scoured beetles and they opened them and they were filled with honey and they poured them into our mouths. And I could just see all this golden healing liquid flowing throughout our bodies. And then the next moment I was back in my body in intensive care and my daughter was asleep in my arms. And it wasn't until I got back home from intensive care that I began to pull all my books off my shelves and I began to weave all of this together and realised that I had had an out-of-body experience and had been taken to Sirius. And that was my initiation into working with Sirius. And I believe that um, I and my children are from Sirius, that we are Syrian souls and that our mission is to come to Earth at this time um, and to work with the energies of Sirius and to hold this sacred gateway, this portal to Sirius. Um, and um, then in 2007, on November the 26th, I ascended up to Mount Sinai for the first time. Mount Sinai is my soul's home. And that is the cradle of the Rose lineage for me. And it's deeply connected to Sirius. And two years later, I gave birth to my son and he was in intensive care. And I popped home to get a journal. And I just picked up a journal and it had a picture of a mama horse and a baby horse on it. And we're both Sagittarians, we're only four days apart. And I took it back to intensive care and I opened it to start journaling. And there was only one entry. And it was my entry after I had been up Mount Sinai. And I looked at the date and the time, and it was the exact date and time of my son's birth two years later. And it was the only entry in that journal. And that's when I began to really realize the significance of our, our whole journey as a family with Sirius, but then also specifically my son. 
because he is a very, very ancient Syrian soul who has come in through a very disabled body, um, who I have witnessed have the most incredible effect on anyone who comes into contact with him. And so I feel incredibly, sorry, I feel incredibly honored that his soul chose me to be his mother. And I know that he's here to do such deep work and especially um, working with Sirius. So I think when you open and become aware of the synchronicities that are playing out in your life and between the people you love, you can start to see the pattern that as souls you contracted to play out together. And then you get much deeper clarity on what your soul mission is and why you're here. Like I know without a shadow of a doubt that the last two years, 22 years of intense trauma that we have journeyed through as a family happened for a reason because we had contracted to experience it so we could reach the depth of emotional intelligence and gnosis that we have that we can then stand in our power and be a guide for others and a voice for others and use that combined knowledge and gnosis to help others to heal and become empowered and recognize the incredible light of their soul that is shining deep inside them. And that every single person here on this earth is so special and so unique and has such an incredible light and soul gift to share with the world. And so that, that's what we feel. We feel that our souls chose to make that sacrifice to experience that trauma so that we could find that light of Sophia deep within us and bring it out more visibly in the world to help guide others. So powerful. So, so powerful. Thank you for sharing that beautiful synchronistic story. And is there a link with Sirius and where you're living now? Yes. And so the Avalon Rose Chapel where we live, which is our family home, is on the Isle of the Dog uh, in, within the Glastonbury Zodiac and is literally situated beneath the Dog Star Sirius. So, uh, and there were so many synchronicities that led me to purchase this property. And I believe absolutely that it is a portal, a gateway to Sirius. And I work very deeply with Sirius in my work. So, and I feel that Zach is here for a reason. He's here guarding that gateway to that portal and, and acting as a channel for that incredibly powerful healing energy and wisdom energy to flow through him and through this chapel. So I feel deeply honored to be guardian of this sacred container uh, of the chapel and for him and for my daughters. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and I will 
See you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.